0: From ArchD Radio and Podcasting, I'm James Meston, and this is the Four Teachers Podcast, a podcast about teaching for teachers. Today, we're going to feature the final panel conversation from the CESA Middle Years Network Day at the end of last year. If you haven't heard episode one or two yet with Janet from Xavier, Tony from St. Mark's College, and Kathy, Hannah and Anne from Kildare. They're fantastic. Definitely check them out after you finish listening to this one. Today, we feature a conversation with Mark from Thomas More College and Walter and Thomas from St. Paul's College. It was a great discussion and a wonderful way to end a really interesting day, unpacking the wisdom that these teachers have attained through both their accumulated professional experience and the recent changes to the CESA middle years model, with secondary schools moving year sevens to their campuses. Hope you enjoy it. So, Mark, we'll start with you, if that's all right. So how long have you been with the Network for now? Uh,
1: with the Network? Yeah. Uh, this is my first year. Okay, Has it been? Uh, it's been good, yeah. it's It's been different. Um, different in terms how? of my role. Tina's not here today, but her focus is PBL, and mine was a little bit different than the fact that I took the path of wellbeing. Okay. Looking at that side of things. All right. Um, yeah, so it's been really good. It's learned a lot. Um, there's a couple of sessions with Donna, that provided a lot of information, some stats, you know, about students and education and what support they actually get and, you know, support they get at home as well, which was really relevant. to Okay. What I was focusing on. All right, sure. So, in terms of your
0: focus on wellbeing, what did that actually look like in terms of what you were sort of like, you had your focus on particularly? I mean, wellbeing is pretty broad is what I mean.
1: So. Yeah, well, um, what I've actually created is a, a survey, which I've got um, year sevens, eights and nines to do, our middle school students. And it was more around you know, how they feel in the school environment, what do they enjoy about school, enjoy about tasks, and what challenges do they face, you know, trying to get through those tasks. And what did you find they said? Um, well, I haven't quite finished it, but I had a quick look before, and what we found was the kids really enjoy school, really enjoy the school environment, they mm-hmm. feel safe there. They feel as though teachers are supporting them really well, but where they struggle with is actually starting the work Okay. And, uh, and completing the work as well. And there's so many outside barriers that... What sort of st- barriers do you find? Um, well, some of the questions that I spoke about, or some of the um, responses I put down was more about um, you know, family life, some of the issues around that. We spoke about sporting commitments, we spoke about friendship issues, all those sorts of things. Um, and, and they were quite high. Okay. Friendship issues was an area that's with social media now. The other thing I looked at as well was what environment they have at home as well. Okay. And I know with one of the sessions that we had with Donna was about, you know, Australia's really well resourced. But in terms of what the kids are able to access at home, we don't do so well, are so well in. So we've got a lot of kids who don't have a, a study area, Yeah, um, don't have somewhere to actually do their homework. Uh, we've got to do it in the laundry. room. You've got three or four kids, you know, siblings running around as well. So that's some barriers to why some kids weren't actually starting these tasks, getting these tasks done or doing, you know, to a good standard. So what
0: then in, in your role, sort of like looking at wellbeing, you, you see that information and that data laid out for you. What's the next step then from there? I mean, th- these are things that are going to be very, if the, the kids don't have a study area at home, there's lots of kids running around, they're trying to do it on their table. What, what can you as a
1: wellbeing person in a, in a school uh, Well, area? our structure is quite good. We, we actually support, we have um, something called early intervention. Um, at our school where kids will do an hour after school from 3.15 to 4.15. A letter will go home to parents saying you know, your student is at risk of not doing well. So we offer this to them. We also offer somewhere um, in the library like um, Homework Club where we have quite a few few kids going to as well. Um, So we've got a few tools in place but once I take, have a look at this data, what I'd like to do is actually come up with some ways and we can offer these kids some tools on how to how to better themselves how to actually do some study where you know can they go into the room you know can they get away from their siblings and away from the tv and right. those sorts of things so just ways and they can actually approach their study a lot better okay so how's it
0: been uh, with the introduction of the year sevens uh, into your school this year uh hectic yes yeah,
1: yeah I know what's been the thing that's been taking up most of your time um just the energy that they have mm-hmm. i know we spoke about it before and people we were talking about Climbing trees and all those sorts of things. Um, I teach PE, and we find that the first 10 minutes, we, we just get the kids to run, just get rid of some energy. Yeah. Because they are just so excited. <laughs> I
0: guess in PE, things. you've got the opportunity to be able to do that. You yeah. can't do that in more. No, I don't can't. know what these guys were saying, you know, yeah. taking the kids outside to, 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 to run off so, all the
1: energy. So we, you know, they're keen to learn, but they're just so energetic. Um, and that's one of the biggest things from year eights. Um, when they come in at year eight, they're still energetic, but nowhere near the year seven. Right, so you see that huge difference yeah. between the two. Yeah. How has it affected the, the school in general? Like uh, Interesting with our school, we're, we're going through a construction at the moment. Okay. So we've lost probably, you know, a quarter of our school area. Oh, so wow. the introduction of another 150 kids, that's made it very busy. Um, right. Lacking a little bit of room. Next year will be a lot better because we'll have that area back again. But that's what we've noticed is the amount of kids in a smaller environment, made it really, really busy. Okay, cool. You've also um, uh, said
0: here that your core approach was pe- uh, pedagogy for, um, for for student wellbeing. So how is it, um, with the introductions of year seven, how has it affected, has it affected the whole middle school approach? Like, have you seen a whole middle school approach change as a result of
1: them being introduced is it a bit a good opportunity to do that it has i think it's going to get better over the next couple of years uh, last year was it was the first rule year we've actually um introduced the core teacher system okay um, talk a we, bit about that and how your school's done it. so the core teacher um, we know it's a pretty volatile time for the kids at that age yeah. uh, they're going through a lot um so what we found is and with donna's um, studies is that consistency is, is the key, they need routine. Um, so we've offered, uh, or not offered, but we, we've approached, that we've got a math science teacher uh, that have the same kids and we also have English has. So we'll have those kids for a fair majority of their, of their time at the school. So what you're able to establish is routines, consistency, um, you know, expectations. Um, and you can really start to challenge kids as well um, with their work, you know. So if they hand something up, you can have a look and say, well, you know, listen, we might have mass next, but let's just continue to focus on science, and let's see if we can work through some. Oh, I see. So okay, you, you've got that
0: flexibility. Oh, that's good. So, right. so the the core subjects still remain. It's still very much like the the eight nine curriculum. Yep. But you've just got one teacher delivering all of yeah, that, that kind right. of
1: stuff. So you can kind of shuffle the yep. the the pieces around on the yeah. board to go. So okay, you, we'll you might keep have the ten going. lessons uh, of mass science, and you can do seven three one week, or three seven the next. Oh, can, great! And does
0: that happen one one quite a bit? It does. Yeah. Right. Yep. So it is yep. flexibility yep. that is being used quite yep. a lot. Okay. Yep. That's interesting. Yep. So in some ways it's not it's not an integrated curriculum, but it's kind of like flexi time. Yeah. A it bit is. more yep. in, in that way. How's this the school community um, changed as a result as a whole, like from all the way through to um, year seven to twelve? just
1: broadly how has it have you how have you felt that impact um well it's only been the first couple of years but what we've noticed with the middle school is year seven and eight teachers have been a lot of collaboration we've okay. been able to, to talk about what's working what's not working which has been really good really really beneficial so we're able to take bits and pieces out of what's working well and what's not working well how we can improve on that as well i think next year we'll see a bigger change mm-hmm. because the year sevens will be their second year with this core teacher model so we're hoping we're going to see some bigger improvements how has being involved in the, the network helped you personally um, to to work through all these issues? Um, well I guess the biggest thing is been a couple of sessions where the well being session that was I think when we were at Nazareth, I think it was, where there was Donna presented a lot of information about, you know, the, the well being of kids, some of the issues they're faced with, you know, trying to get their studies done. So taking that away, um, you know, helped me put the survey together as well and ask those particular questions is, is there anything that she brought up in those sessions that really kind of resonated with you you went oh yes that definitely i'm grabbing that there was one there that's um obviously we're a very developed country wealthy nation as well but in terms of our secondary education um, we don't do so well in the kids don't fare that well in primary school they're a lot better uh, child care they're a lot better but secondary we, we sort of fall away a little bit in that area mm-hmm. so um that was some of the biggest stuff that okay and why was that why is that i'm not sure i think we focus more on you know developing kids um at a younger age and sitting routines but um as donna has said from year seven to nine going through you know adolescence puberty all those sorts of things yeah. there's a lot going on you know new friendships new schools mm. new environments and we seem to drop the ball a little bit on that we're talking a little bit earlier about the
0: whole um uh, the, the notion of the router year nine class and that in some ways that it's just become kind of like a cliche touchstone that is this is an assumption that at that age that that's how kids are but i guess you working in a much more well-being space or what are your thoughts on that do you think it's just a natural part of where kids are do you think it's got a lot to do with how schools are um for those uh, that sort of middle part of the middle years or is there some sort of meeting point
1: in the middle i think it's just it's the individual like, it's the kids at that age trying to establish who they are and, and where they sit in society um you know and they'll they'll push boundaries they'll try things that they probably shouldn't try and and they learn from those mistakes so you know it is a bit of a cliche but that's you know they're at that age where they're experimenting they're trying new things they're trying to establish who they are, what they stand for as well. So you've got to guide them through that. And what's the best way to support kids who are going through that? Communication, I think, is the biggest thing. And that's what we do a lot of. Kids are going to make mistakes, but it's how they recover from those and, and educating them what is the right decision, what's not the right decision to make.
0: as a part of being sort of with the network and with colleagues around uh, as well that you've had a chance to have a chat to have you noticed that there's anything that's kind of that you see as being your school specific in terms of the kind of things that you face in terms of um, um, um working through developing things in the middle years
1: yeah. our probably biggest thing is their approach to their education um and talk about that. In it so we just had our um, well-being session on monday mm-hmm. where all the well-being mentors and um year-level leaders got together and that was one of the biggest things is is pride in their work taking pride in handing things up on time handing it up in the first place yeah you know so that's what we're trying to push let's get the work done let's take pride in what you're actually doing and get it handed
0: up so are you saying that kind of like disengagement with the the whole the rigor of the study is something that is a real challenge where you guys are yeah Yep. Okay, and I think a lot of schools face that. Okay. Um, and, and what, what on-the-ground kind of approaches to that, like what do you do in order to try to develop
1: that sense of pride and, and those sorts of things? What, what are actual strategies that are put in place to do that? Uh, well, that's what we're working through at the moment. We, we always push that. We have changed. Um, we've got a shaped graduate, which we introduced. And what's that? Um, it's more about the steps involved to actually graduating as a Thomas More student. Okay. Um, you know, the things that you need to achieve. And with that, we've got our school-wide pedagogy. Um, in which we speak about respect, responsiveness, reflection as well. So there's all these things that the kids are looking at, the staff are looking at, and working together you know, with that one goal in mind. Okay, how do you feel the networks helped you personally to sort of like develop and evolve your ideas and visions about where you want to go moving forward? It's, it's been really good. Some of the information that we've had, even the way we approach assessment tasks, the way we ask questions in, in assessment tasks, the, the things that we offer, the way we scaffold things, uh, it's been really important, so you can see all the different schools, the way they approach things. Uh, project-based learning is something that Tina's going to be taking on next year Okay, um, and hearing some of the stuff about that. That's fantastic. Well.
0: Okay, so you've, you've got the keys to the time machine. You've gone back to, say, this time last year, had a chance to uh, give yourself sort of a piece of advice about something that you know that you probably would have really helped you at that particular time, sort of like move into the beginning of this year. What would
1: be the one thing that you would have given yourself? a bit more time to work on things is that's been a common theme yeah the the amount of time that you actually need to to put into what you're doing um okay and 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 to implement it as well that's the biggest thing okay so better more
0: time for preparation yep and more and more so more patience i guess in terms of the 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 length of time
1: quick fix it's a going to be a long-term process okay great thank you that's awesome
0: Okay, uh, Thomas and Walter. Yes, how are you going? Good. Good glad to have you here today we kind of split up a little bit here so that's okay Are you you on sort of like non-speaking terms at the the moment i've just been listening there's a fantastic podcast documentary about the big day out festival yeah i had no idea it was such a soap opera but by the end the two organizers were just communicating by fax sending it back because they couldn't speak to you i see a similar sort of thing happening here so (laughs) if you want to if you want to say anything to walter you can ask me and i'll I'll ask him that'll be helpful okay good good glad we got that all sorted out um so you guys are from St. Paul's. The questionnaire that was asked to start with, you mentioned when they said, what's the best thing that your school has done a part of the program? You mentioned uh, a lovely couple who you've got working with you, Fred and Erica. Um, which one of you would like to talk to me about this This lovely uh, anthropomorphic
2: couple? Walter Will. Walter Will. Walter, tell us about Fred and Erica. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> uh, so um, Fred is in the way we... we gives the principles behind the way we behave within the community. Okay. What is this? It? It's F-R-E-D. It stands for something. Yeah. So, F stands for uh, our faith. Uh, so, we acknowledge that everyone is created in God's image. So, we upfront with our Catholic faith. We also acknowledge uh, the different faiths. And then the R is for relationships, uh, which uh, goes from... I mean, I don't need to go into that. And uh, e is for excellence and Day for Diversity. So we are a very diverse community with about 44 different languages spoken at home wow so that brings a lot of dynamics within the community yeah
0: so, so th- uh, the next question i'd kind of like going is there anything that you see is uh very school specific about what it is that you guys do it would be very different from a school like i, I don't know I- i'd be picking a school at random but they probably have a uh, yeah. sort of like a more of a kind of like an anglo area i guess in terms of that they wouldn't be facing that so what what do you see as being uh, a challenge there is is it about respecting
2: each other? Is that really the core of, of it all? Are yeah. there other things? Yeah, I think uh, the, the respect part is um, is the underpinning part in our relationship. So when we talk about relationship, the, the, the underpinning philosophy is respect of, uh, of that diversity. So we then acknowledge each other as, uh, as a different person created in God's image and that uh, language uh, transfers throughout the whole school. Yeah.
0: So the FRED initiative that that you're doing, did this start with the introduction of the Year 7s coming in, or has this been something that you've been working uh, on for a while?
2: That's not the FRED. The FRED uh, already existed uh, a few years from, I think, 2012, 2013. Oh, okay, I see. Uh, Erica is the one that we are now introducing with the Year 7s. Tell me about her. So Erica is a whole school approach to teaching and learning uh, that has come with um, all the work that has been done on... What does a 21st century learner need? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Tell me a bit, a bit about how
2: that all started, the whole theory, um, the birth of
0: Erica. Where did it all begin?
2: Yes, so a couple of things happened, I must say. Uh, we knew the year sevens were coming in in 2019, mm-hmm. and we said, So, how are we going to approach this? Year sevens are not new to St. Paul's. St. Paul's has always been a year five to year 12 school. Mm-hmm. So, in my time at St. Paul's, we've always had two classes of year sevens, but they were in the primary space and then bringing them up into the uh, senior school, we felt would be a huge jump, and uh, we needed uh, the middle uh, school there. So uh, the school um, approached Dr. Ian Lilico, and uh, he does some work with raising boys and educating the boys, because we are boys school. Uh, and it was from there that we real the, the need was found that uh, boys in the adolescence of so 12 to 15 kind of age need, their well-being, if we talk about that, really the first thing they need is ownership of their space. Okay. They're like, uh, you know, bulls in it and they need their space. So we said, where do we go with that? Uh, So a couple of us went and then uh, engaged with the education change makers for a whole year. And then out of that then came this idea of, right, we got to have as much as we want the transition to be okay and everything, Also, the teaching and learning has to be different, and that's where Erica came up. Okay. And
0: how's it all been? Has it all been going? Tom? Thomas.
3: Yeah, it's been going well. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Um, So, we started off sort of targeting Erica into my classes and Walter's classes as a sort of a target group, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are year seven classes? I've got two year sevens, and Walter has a year eight. Okay. So sort of mainly in year seven, but we're doing it a little bit year eight as well. Um, Just targeting at them and then seeing how they react to it. And then we can get some, whether you want to call it evidence and data to then spread it into the other classes or just as like a case study where we can provide our examples and provide our experiences to help those other staff who we're going to ask to establish that model as well.
0: Okay. So what have you found so far?
3: Year sevens are very different. Um, They're very... Well, you said it before. They're very energetic. Mm-hmm. I think the um, old boys thing is also a, not a challenge in itself, but it's a different dynamic in the classroom. Where okay, can they you talk a bit about that? Do tend to, well, they don't really like lining up outside in two lines, like you said earlier. They sort of push and shove, and they can stand there for maybe twenty seconds, and then after that, they're gone. Right. So they come into the classroom. They're quite boisterous. They're energetic. They're always, like you said, they're physical with each other, not yeah. in a negative sense. More though, they shove, they push, they touch grab hats, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so, you got to try to settle that down um, to start the lesson. And then throughout the lesson, they tend to get up and walk around, even though they might be on task. So, for a couple, you know, 20 minutes, that my boys will sit on the ground and then the next thing you know, they're up at their desk and then they're over there standing at a standing desk and then they're back on the ground. Right. Or they're lying down or something like that. So, you've got to sort of relinquish a little bit of control and make sure they're on task obviously but you sort of allow them that freedom because they do need to move around just to keep engaged Mm, right keep their mind and their body engaged and present in the classroom
0: so would that be the biggest challenge that you found both of you have found in terms of the introduction of the year sevens is dealing with that kind of youthful boisterous kind of energy or has there been something else maybe something that you didn't expect would happen
3: um, I guess for me personally, I came from a school last year where I had all boys, mm-hmm. but a very Anglo and similar age group. And then prior to that, I was co-ed. So coming into all boys was Oh, so you've familiar. seen all different aspects yeah. of this recently. Um, the biggest challenge for me or the, yeah, the biggest dynamic I had to deal with and sort of, um, get my head around was the culture because it's so multicultural. I've, most of my schools I've been in have been very Anglo. Yeah. And so that cultural background and their home lives are all very different to what my personal home life was when I was growing up. Okay. So accommodating that inside the classroom with the fact that you know some boys have split homes, different culture, different languages, yeah. and all of those things that they bring to school is something that you have to really wrap your head around to start your lesson and sort of plan and accommodate.
2: Can I say, James, that's where Erica really comes yeah. in because we, yeah. we, Erica is for engagement, uh, relevance, innovation, uh, uh, creativity, and authentic learning. So I find for me, sometimes I have to dwell on two aspects only of Erica, and that's innovation and being creative in order to accommodate those kind of learners that Tom is talking about. Because for your boy, oh boy, you've got 30 boys in there, energetic, which is common but added to that 30 boys who have 44 different languages spoken at home. You can't teach this one way, James. So you have to be very innovative and very creative in the way you teach. But that also allows the boys to be very innovative and creative in the way that they are learning and showing evidence of their learning. Mm -hmm. So Erica is really... uh, we're We're just trialing at the moment. It's not rolled out to the whole school that's
0: insanely dynamic though Mm -hmm. that you've got to be in order to do that that's so so you're saying just so that i understand and i apologize that i'm not actually a teacher so i'm going to seriously trip over the language here Okay. (laughs) okay but so so you're saying here that you're only taking out specific aspects of this erica model so it's like do you find that that then you've just got to be a lot more dynamic with the way in which you're actually trying to achieve those kind of outcomes and curriculum general capabilities and and all of those sorts of things, is it about being dynamic or is it about being much more kind of like realistic in terms of the timelines, in terms of how you do it? Because you've got to meet the timelines, don't you? You've got to like Mm -hmm. this unit of work, you achieve these particular kind of outcomes. Is it uh, about uh, pedagogy? Is it about assessment? Is it about everything? Like how do you work in a space that requires you to have to be so – do you know the question I'm asking? Good. Give me just enough rope to hang myself I think. (laughs)
2: the thing I found though, even though I said I'll be concentrating on the innovation and creativity, the minute you do that, you're also touching on the relevance of what you're doing because if you don't make it relevant, the boys won't engage with it because they don't find that to be authentic learning. So Erica is not, even though it's like five different things, it's one. So you are being innovative, you're being creative in the way things are being done in the classroom that makes what's being done relevant. It becomes engaging and this authentic learning so they're all covered it's not right so what's lesson planning like i don't have one (laughs) you don't have one i have teachable moments okay talk more about that so i walk in there with my lesson plan and then i throw it in the bin (laughs) okay (laughs) <laughs> and I was, I at any point you I, kind of go I, I you
0: went, know what I shouldn't have bothered with went, the lesson
2: plan I work with uh, with another key uh, so I teach year 8 lift and I work with another year 8 lift teacher and, and we sit down we plan for the unit or with our STEM teachers and all that and then she always says "Hey, Walter all the time you don't write these things down you don't do this and that I say well because really you have to go in there look at the boys and they will tell you what they want to learn today so i have stopped teaching i've become a facilitator of learning okay i'm still not sure what that looks like though i
0: don't either you don't either so just give me like a a basic example so you've got one of your middle years classes um just pick a unit of work pick a like a a unit that you're actually going to do
2: like how would you then approach it like just walk me through step by step how you would do so that? I'm, so i will say I'm doing um, a unit of work on how dramatic texts inform the past. How so, dramatic texts inform the past, okay. Yeah, so I, um, I'm looking at medieval history and today I'm thinking, all right, I'm gonna look at the dramatic test and how it's, it's, you know, it's portraying the past so that I, it's an interdisciplinary approach to your traditional English subject and your history and your civics. Okay. So that's my unit of work. Okay. And today I walk in there, it's lesson three and four on a on a Thursday, and I'm thinking I'm going to go straight and read the dramatic text, and then we show how in the text, the civics part and the history part. And I walk in on the door, morning boys, everything, and then I'm like, no, we're not going to read that text, because there's something that would have happened during recess that brings the civics part, so the civics then comes to the front. Okay rather than the reading of the dramatic text. Yeah, that's how dynamic the classes become. Because of the way, fortunately, how we timetabled, we don't have subject-specific timetables, so it's just two lessons of life, three lessons of life, which means I can walk in and initiate the discussion or the learning with civics rather than boys thinking it's an English lesson. Why is Mr. C coming now talking about history? Right. So the term tabling as well supports the way... Yeah, so
0: you've got that flexibility to move the pieces around on the board a little bit as long as you achieve... That's right. ...the whole outcomes that you want to do. Is that the sort of approach that you take too, Tom?
3: Yeah, sort of. Um, Mine's probably a bit more structured in the sense that I teach STEM, so I've got the science maths side of it. So you still need to teach, you know, your procedures for maths and science, I guess. But same sort of thing. Well, I think we have... 13 lessons or 11 lessons a week yeah. and you can mix and match however you like A bit like what Mark was saying before with Thomas More you can do 7 and 4 or 4 and 7 depending on how you like it as long as you get to that as long as we get there eventually yeah. and, you know you cover everything that you would like to cover you set out to achieve um, and similar sort of thing if they're working really well I've got 3 lessons between recess and lunch with one class and if they're working really well I'll let them keep going all the way through to lunch whereas other days you have to cut it up, cut it off at less, after the first lesson because yeah, yeah. they've lost engagement So that sort of flexibility you do need, but I do, I still have points that I'd like to cover throughout the class or throughout the Mm -hmm. lesson. How I get there sort of depends on the, you know, the responses you get and how they're feeling and what's Mm. going on, so. Wow, that sounds awesome.
0: Biggest favorite single moment through the year, through this whole process of, of year seven becoming part of this three middle years as the school?
3: That's a good question. Maybe not one, biggest moment but if it's you just you had to
0: choose one no. no, though I'm holding you to it I'm sorry uh,
3: how it all comes together no um, no too general oh we had a middle years expo um, yeah tell about that because we did PBL and um, in term two at the end of term two we did a middle years expo where the year sevens are doing PBL the year eights are doing PBL and so we had a night where they were um, you know showing their what they've learnt and how they've learnt and their project at the end of that PBL unit. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a ridiculous amount of um, people attend and it was hugely popular. Feedback was amazing. And that was sort of a not a huge pivotal moment in terms of reassurance because I knew that that was the right thing to do. Yeah. But it sort of did show everyone else that this is actually working for our boys and um, that they can learn through different sort of scenarios. So, for you, it was
0: that kind, of, yeah, kind that, of, that really showed the yeah. evidence that yeah. this is working and this is really yeah, good. Yeah, pretty script. much. How about yeah. for you, Walter?
2: Uh, I'm like Tom, so I'm not going to say that, but the, uh, I'll choose another one. Fantastic. Uh, that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm also a leader of learning at St Paul's, and um, for me, it was when uh, two elective teachers said to me, hey, Walter, why are we not involved in this middle schooling curriculum? Right. And For me that is I teach that's, in the elective teachers. This is year eight Was they talked to me about year eight. so okay. to me that rang a bell to me that we're doing something right. These yeah. guys are buying in into what we are doing. Uh, this was a woodwork teacher and an art teacher and they were like the boys are not finding any relevance and they're not engaging with what they're doing because they think yeah this is what we do in class for 22 lessons and this is just other stuff that we do.
0: See, that's so interesting because you'd imagine that woodwork and art, they're the fun lessons, that's they're
2: right. the ones that the kids go to. But you're saying that they're saying it's the teachers, not relevant. Teachers. Yeah, the teachers are now saying to us, why are we not being made part of this, what you're doing with your boys, so that the boys also connect with what we're doing. So what's happened since then? I'm You've pro- just got... I'm processing d- it in my head. Forget it. <laughs> 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 oh wait, Yeah, we'll review you You just got we'll OTA re- House re- ad, off we'll, you go. No, we'll review <laughs> the yeah, and I'm sure I will, I will work on it. Yeah, yeah.
0: What do you think that might look like then? How would you How would you do I'd, that?
2: One of the year five teacher, and she was like, you know, they read the book and I do the painting in art. So it's all connected. So we should do the same with the year. So the teachers have bought in, and I think it will be a let down if we don't involve them. What do you think... I'm going to
0: just seriously chuck this line out really far here, but hearing now that Flinders University are looking at um, research project as opposed to ATAR score as almost equal weighting for for going in and now I've sort of heard that a a few other sort of like um, tertiary institutions are looking at the same way. Mm. It seems almost that integrated curriculums are becoming – the way of the future, it almost seems like the writing's on the wall. What do you – got all three of you, what do you reckon? Does that sound like the direction it is? I mean, if you're talking about essentially integration um, providing relevance and then as soon as that relevance is taken away from the student, mm. they kind of go, oh, what's that. this got to do with That's it about, as well? Yeah. I think, Michael, you were telling me the other day I was blown away by that unit that you were talking about teaching where you had integrated – was it – science, maths – English and history together, with a kind of like a unit of work around like a worldwide plague contagion. I was just, it just blew my mind. I thought that's incredible. Why couldn't I have been at school learning? All of that kind of stuff. But you can just see the applicability of all of those different subject areas working together as a whole in in the way that we do use information now you know we always use it as a kind of a it's it's a big gumbo stew like no matter how you cut it what do you guys think about that do you think integration like this is something that's working really well in middle years but as soon as it gets to the senior secondary the approach of of that very sort of um, um, sort of segregated curriculum is the way to go or are we moving towards in education a more integrated approach to learning what do you think
3: it's a great question One thank that I you don't really have an answer <laughs> for um, but
0: what do you think though like in in yeah, your gut what do you reckon i
3: think the integrated approach is really teaching the middle years and those middle school students sort of the need for the general capabilities which I didn't really recognise or see importance of personally until I actually went into a workforce and I realised, oh, I actually need to do, you know, a bit of science, a bit of maths, I need to do my English, I actually need to know a bit about humanities because it all works into what I'm teaching or what I'm working yeah. or in my work. And so I think it's highlighting that a bit more and then because they hi- they recognise that when they're younger, hopefully they'll be able to implement that in 10, 11, 12, whether it still stays as what we know as SACE and how structured it is now. I'm not sure, but I think it's definitely something that the universities or tertiary education will look at in terms of someone can get a really good ATAR or have really high grades, but mm-hmm. then those general capabilities aren't really polished. So it, doesn't, it means that they might not be effective in the line of work or in their employment or that sort of thing. So I think they will be looking at it, definitely.
0: Yeah. What do you think, Mark? Like, SACE is a bit of a... Like, it's a, it's a pretty well-structured behemoth, isn't it? It's unpicking that and changing the, the approach for that would be, I can't imagine, be possible, would
1: it? I agree. I think I think we'll eventually go down that path. Yeah. Um, you know, it's authentic learning now. It's real-life situations. And that's what we focus on in, you know, seven, eight and nine. Um, and, you know, 10, 20 years' time, employees are going to be looking for, for different aspects. Um, I know the PE course has changed just recently, mm. next year, that's mm. um, more analysis. It's not so much uh, you can play sport, um, you're a very good sportsman, so he's an A for that. It's mm. more about the sport and analysing mm. the sport. So, mm. things are starting to change already in that sense, um, you know, why do you need to move to this position, why do you need to be fit to play this role? Those particular things, so I think there's a little bit of a shift already. Yeah, I had a, a chat
0: with a with a school principal a few weeks ago, and and we were talking about pretty much that same kind of thing in terms of assessment and 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 all of that kind of stuff. And he showed me this website that I'd never seen before called Wolfram Alpha. Have you heard of this no. thing? It's at wolframalpha.com Alpha com is the is the website. Um, and what he said, he said, "All right, give me a give me a math problem, any math problem." So I said, "Oh, what's the." <laughs> Circumference of a circle with a diameter of forty centimeters, right? And so he goes fine. So he just types it, out, types exactly those words into the bar. So it looks a lot like Google, like it looks very much like that. So he, he typed it all in. He does his little thinking moment, and then what appears is not just the answer, but all of the working out that goes into that whole thing. And they said, well, what's the annual rainfall of uh, Brazil? What's the central crop of this? You ask any of these kind of questions, and it gives you all of these detailed sort of analysis and statistics. And what he was saying was that if you, if the technology exists and it does exist and it's only getting better and better as time goes on, to be able to extract that kind of information really at the touch of a button, why are we actually teaching that working out necessarily as being the be-all and end-all of what it is to be a good mathematician? He was saying that he sees the future of mathematics, not now of course, but down the road, potentially an assessment as a maths exam looking more like an English exam, in that you're given the question, you're given the answer, you're given the working out, but what you actually have to do is write how yeah. it, how to explain what's actually going on. Because it's more about the understanding than the calculation, because the calculation can be done a hundred times faster than you could ever do it.
2: I've got um, I've got, got a couple of things back to the issue of uh, what we're doing in middle school uh, in relationship to senior years. Okay, great. Uh, first thing that first thing any says curriculum document will start with capabilities before it goes to the requirements of what needs to be achieved. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to be really clear that the SACE has also been spearheading capabilities at the expense of learning whatever Pythagoras did or whatever you do in maths. It's always been about capabilities, but us teachers have not taken that on board. So I think it's good. What do you think that is? uh, Because uh, everyone has got a default position. So I teach modern history. My exam will be finishing in about half an hour from now. And it's beautiful that the modern history exam now is done online. So you don't need to do two hours of handwriting. I teach literary studies sometimes when I'm lucky and it's all word process as well. So we're moving away from those skills where you have to do two hours, three hours of handwriting and memorizing that and just using word process. So I think the default position of us teachers has always been the hindrance. Instead of me asking my students to produce a multimodal argument on the achievements of the Weimar Republic, I asked the student to write an essay. And yet the document, the sales document, never asked the students to write an essay. So that's that's my uptake on it. So yeah, capabilities have always been there, whether it's all about problem solving, critical thinking, and, Mm and all those things, they've always been there, but we haven't been concentrating on them. So what the says, board has done is they've cut down on requirements. Content because teachers are keen on content. So instead of doing three topics in year 12 history, we do two. So that you spend the whole year now developing the capabilities. Brings me to my second point, mm-hmm. which is, if now we're not assess, we're not ranking kids according to what they know and understand, which is shown through an A, B, A plus. How can we then assess them if we want to have a holistic view of the learner? And that's the, that's the beyond the ATAR argument that is now out there. Mm-hmm. And I think on December the 2nd, CISA, that's the email I was just pulling out here, CISA is already calling schools to come and workshop on what are we going to do beyond ATA? ATA is no longer going to be the big deal. We're going to look at the whole learner and this whole capability. Which is a, you know, real celebration because that's what we're doing in middle years. Fantastic. So, just quickly then, what um, in, in terms of the middle years, in
0: terms of this network, has it been really
2: beneficial for you guys to be involved? For me? Yeah, it's, for you. It's, yeah. Been, it's been real good, real great. Um, it has affirmed a few things, challenged me, and so yeah, real good. Real yeah, good. yeah, fun. And what's great. been the best thing about being involved in it f- for you? For me personally, I think school visits have been real good. I'm more of a visual learner. I'd rather go out, see what other schools are doing, and then see where our site can, what we can take. Because I found reading all that stuff is sometimes just to me, written words. So going to Nazareth, going to St. Michael's, coming here and Mm -hmm. that has been real good. Mark, how about
1: for you? Has it been beneficial? It has, yeah. Yeah.
2: In, in what uh, way specifically has it been most beneficial?
1: A yeah. Going to Nazareth, um, uh, Saint Michael's, and even today, I've picked um, a few people's minds about mm. the way they do things, how they do things mm. as well. Mm. But just where we've had the opportunity to network and discuss assessment tasks, how to approach assessment tasks, mm. um, how to scaffold them. You know, mm. what are we trying to? get these kids to actually do has, has been pretty beneficial, really beneficial. Fantastic. Yeah. Tom, how about for you? Been,
0: been a good good
1: experience?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, best yep. bit? Um, I think it's just that collaboration, the sort of the sharing of ideas and just stories and strategies. You sort of um, sometimes say, oh, we do that, yeah, as well. Or, oh, we could actually fit that in here. So mm-hmm. just by talking and sharing, you sort of pick up points here and there, and then you take it back to your school and relay it, or you implement it yourself and see how it goes. And, then you come back and you share it again.
0: Fantastic. Thanks, guys.
3: Beautiful. Thank you.
0: <clears throat> Gabriella, and Mike, are you going to get in the hot seat now and just quickly, so, I mean, what, you, what have been your thoughts, feelings about today?
4: I'm always delighted to hear teachers reflect on their experiences because all these conversations have been had that were not necessarily in our... When we were at the planning board, we, we didn't anticipate those conversations. And I think that's what this network is about. We what were have, you
0: thinking was going to happen then?
4: I think we probably planned for quite dry things, which right. were, we, we surveyed um, our group at the end of last year. What would you like us to look at next year? And it was quite dry, things like pedagogy. But really when teachers talk to teachers, they want to talk about the problems that are in the challenges and the obstacles that are in front of them now and find out real ways of overcoming those not ways that are going to take a long time and out of their sphere of influence.
3: Mm.
0: Michael what's been your big takeaway from today? I found it really
5: affirming to hear the things that you that you're all referring to as being really valuable about the network um, are things that we're talking about and already preparing for next year you know, when we talk about what well, we really enjoy seeing other schools you know, we haven't put any budget in for venue hire next year because we're just committed to each of our days being in a school and that's just going to be the reality of this network is that we go and see schools i think a little bit about you know, the, the agreement with donna finished this year and for gabrielle and i to be sort of talking and saying well actually no, we need to keep her involved um, in, in this network you know, into next year. And for us sort of thinking, do we? yeah, we think that that's what this group wants to keep happening. That's the feeling we've got. And then to have almost every, in fact, no, every person today mentioned her by name. To say, yeah, that's, yeah, That's important for us. That's really great. But then also to know that um, sometimes what you want is what you, you don't know what you don't want as well. And we could get very comfortable with Donna because she's telling us what we know, what we're comfortable with. Um, you know, one of the things that, one of the people we've got lined up for next year is is um, Peter Hutton, and he's, he was the principal of Templestowe College. Um, Templestowe had, when he arrived, had 250 kids, and they lost 200 that year. Was um, it leading Why? into that year? They, the school was tanking,
0: it was terrible. And what was going wrong with it?
5: We'll ask him, but, the, the, the learning wasn't specific. I mean, what, the way Walter was talking summarised exactly why people were leaving that school except they were white. Right. So all of those challenges still existed but they were just...
0: So the relevance there. was just not there. They yeah, couldn't
5: connect and, and, what they were learning. And the agency and the respect and the care and all of those things just weren't there. I mean the, the, the three guys just talking then really summarised why that school was going mm. the way it was. So he put every single kid on an individual education plan for every single student, which means you don't need to adhere to the Australian curriculum. Because he said, this right. is an emergency. You know, it's it's like we're calling for climate emergency at the moment. Mm-hmm. That was an education emergency. We shouldn't all do that because our schools aren't in that spot where we need to do that. But we need to be braver, probably than we currently are. We're still in a safe kind of, if the timetable allows it, we'll do some changes. If my leadership lets me, I'll do those things. yeah. yeah. my call to arms, I guess over the next along our work in this sort of role is we need to be brave in the face of those challenging moments. So it's affirming to know that we're going to provide you with what you want but also that we're going to provide you with the prompt to take the next steps too.
4: So next year will be the fourth year of this network. Yeah. which has shown a different iteration each year because we've had a different cohort each year with different foci. But Donna has always been about us scaffolding us to independence. And I think that's what we as consultants do too, and what our teachers as leaders of learning in their schools do, it's about helping, supporting people to recognise what they do know and and to support them in the skill areas or knowledge areas that they need to lead others. So it's all about building capacity. And I think that's, it's a bit of an overused term, but it's certainly something I've seen in this network and just the growth in confidence that we've, we've seen. And I guess we're also developing our skill set as consultants. Um, so just, the fact that we're doing podcasts is not something that was ever in my skill set, but it's in Michael's. So here we are now, we've got, we've got a middle years podcast. Um, we're developing some online modules that will be a great resource for schools in the network and beyond to to support the teachers in their school. Um, The result of this year's work is a two-page case study from all of these schools, and that's supported by um, video and interviews with students and promotional videos. So there's all these resources coming out of the network that just mean we've got a multi-layered, I don't know, suite of resources to support people, all Mm -hmm. with the student. At the centre, and that's just that's what it's
0: it. about. The For Teachers Podcast is a production of RHD Radio and Podcasting. Music for this episode was by Lee Rosevier, Joseph McDade, and Kevin McLeod. If you enjoy the For Teachers Podcast, please subscribe and tell other teachers and educators about it, and be sure to check out our other podcast, School Life which focuses on schools from the students' perspectives. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. My name is James Meston. I'll be back soon with another podcast about teaching for teachers.